Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another edition of Jake's Takes. I am your host, Jake Masucci. And today, we have a loaded NBA podcast for you. We're going to talk about the big news that happened last night. LeBron James just broke the scoring record and is now the leading scorer in NBA history. I'm going to talk about how that impacts his place in the GOAT conversation and how that impacts the league in general and where LeBron stands when it when it comes to Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and all the greats in the NBA. We're going to discuss all that in the beginning stages of the podcast. And then we'll move on to the saga of Kyrie Irving. For those of you who don't know, Kyrie Irving got traded to the Dallas Mavericks last weekend. And I want to give you my thoughts on him requesting a trade and my thoughts on the trade going through and him going to be in Dallas. How that's going to affect the NBA right now, how that will affect the Mavericks, how that will affect the Western Conference. We'll get into all that on today's episode. So anyways, I hope you enjoy, and I'm going to cue the music. Alright, welcome back into the podcast, and what an awesome display that we just saw from LeBron James last night. This guy... He has done some incredible stuff, but breaking this scoring record is really unbelievable. And we're going to get into that right now. So last night, LeBron came into the game 36 points away from breaking Kareem's record. And to be honest with you guys, I didn't really think he'd break it last night. But from what I've heard, a lot of people thought that he was going to break it. So I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast this morning, and he was actually at the game. And he described the atmosphere as, like, it's happening tonight and no other night. So, that got me thinking. I was like, man, maybe LeBron's going to play, like, a different way. And I rewatched the game this morning, and it did seem like LeBron was a lot more aggressive, going to the rim and scoring the ball a lot more. And he wasn't really looking to pass. He wasn't, like, that facilitator that we normally see out of LeBron. But what do you expect? Like, the guy's 36 points away from breaking the record. You got to let him do what he does. And he only took 20 field goal attempts. That's kind of what he's been averaging all year. So I didn't really blame him for that. At that point, like, you just kind of want to get the record over with and then move on with the season, which I 100% understand. So near the end of the third quarter, LeBron needed two points to break the record. And he hit a really nice fallaway jumper, hit it, and they stopped the game and celebrated. And I was very happy for LeBron. Very happy for LeBron. This guy, throughout his career, has been through so much. And I've always been very much a LeBron fan. From his days in Cleveland, watching him go up against the Warriors four straight in four straight finals, watching him with no help, watching him with help, this guy has... He's easily the greatest basketball player I've ever seen, 100%. And I love him because he just does such a great job of getting the players around him to be better. He's just such a good passer, and he's so smart with how he plays the game. And the funny thing is, is I'm just talking about his passing. Tonight, he just broke the scoring record, the scoring record. And that's not even the way he wants to play the game. He describes himself as a passer. So this pass-first guy breaking the scoring record is kind of insane. And this is why this is why this guy is just one of the greatest players of all time. I know this year the Lakers haven't been the greatest team in the world. Right now they sit at 13th in the West and they're 25 and 30 on the year. And it's a little tough to see LeBron in a losing situation. They didn't make the playoffs last year, and this team just isn't that good. He's been losing Anthony Davis here and there, and it just hasn't hasn't been that good. It's been rough to see for the Lakers, but let's let's talk LeBron. Let's get back to the main picture. LeBron this year 
no matter how bad his team has been, he has been awesome. Like 100% awesome. He's averaging 30 points per game, eight eight and a half rebounds and seven assists on 50% field goal percentage. Like he's still, he's still top tier on his game and he's 38 years old. That's just incredible to me. Absolutely incredible. We've never seen a forward in the NBA succeed going to age 30 or 38 and above, like 35 and above. We've never seen somebody succeed at this level, not get injured, and just still be at the top of his game at 38 years old. We've just never seen it. Nobody's ever done that. We've seen Kareem do it, but that's a big. We've seen many big guys be able to to keep their level sustained, but we have never seen it from a forward. And LeBron's just, he's the exception. He's always been the exception. This guy is unbelievable. This age of athletes, I just talked about Tom Brady last week. These guys are incredible absolutely incredible the way that they're able to take care of their bodies play excruciating minutes and just just dominate flat out dominate lebron's averaging 30 points a game at 38 years old like those numbers are just incredible absolutely incredible to me you can love the guy or hate him but he is absolutely unbelievable i'm going to talk a little bit about the years that I've seen LeBron play and like really feel comfortable talking about. So I kind of, I kind of came into the league. Like I wasn't the biggest LeBron fan when I started watching the league. 2012 was when I really was able to zero in on the league. I was about nine or 10, but I loved watching my favorite players. And at that time, my favorite player was Kevin Durant. He was on the Oklahoma city thunder And I thought this Thunder team was awesome. They had Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden. And this team was unbelievable. Went through the West and looked incredible. They beat the Spurs. They beat the Warriors. They beat everybody. And got to the the finals. And who was waiting for them but LeBron James. And LeBron won the MVP this year and was incredible. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he did win the MVP this year. And he was absolutely incredible. This was coming off the Heat losing to Dirk and the Mavericks last year. And LeBron LeBron had made his decision two years earlier to leave Cleveland and go to Miami. And Miami made the finals, but they could not they could not beat the Mavericks. And a lot of people calling it a big choke job and saying LeBron will never catch Michael Jordan because of the finals. Because of that that finals. So the Heat we're playing the Celtics this year and they were down three, two going into Boston and LeBron just has one of the greatest games ever played in a elimination game in game six in the garden. Just goes absolutely off for 48 points and dominates the game left to right and just dominates and the heat end up winning. And then they go back home and win the game in Miami and they're in the finals. So again, Right when everything's on the line, LeBron steps up, shows everybody that he's the man, and gets them to the finals. Really incredible stuff. So then we got the finals. We got Kevin Durant versus LeBron James. Kevin Durant's really young at this point, and I was all in on the Kevin Durant train. I loved him. He was my guy. And I wanted I wanted the Heat to lose, just flat out. I didn't like LeBron then. But LeBron just flat out dominated in the series. Like, there was no stopping the Heat. And somebody else that was really good in this series and the series before was Dwayne Wade. Like, in 2011, if you rewatch those finals, them losing to the Mavericks, if the Heat won that series, Dwayne Wade would have been the finals MVP, which is something that is not very well talked about. But D. Wade was unbelievable that year. And then 2012, you could tell he was slowing down a little bit. And LeBron was just going to another level. Like, you could you could tell, 100%. Guy averaged in the playoffs 30 points, 9 rebounds, 5.6 assists. During the year, he averaged 26.8 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. Dude was just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And he went off in the playoff, in the finals. And they absolutely smoked the thunder out of the building. And, you know, like, it is what it is. It happens like, you know, there's nothing, nothing you can really do if you're the Thunder because they just weren't ready. 
They didn't have a didn't have enough defense. The guys were really young, and the Heat were just better. Actually, did I say they swept them? No, they did not sweep them. Thunder won game one. They were able to win game one, and I was talking a lot of crap to whoever would listen because I was nine years old and wanted the Thunder to win. But then LeBron just rolled, and they won 4-1 in that series. All right, let's get to 2013. Another big... Another big year for LeBron. This guy was outstanding. Averaged 27 points, 6.9 rebounds, and 6.4 assists. And he actually had the best field goal percentage in his career this year. He shot 56.7% from the field, which is absolutely incredible. And the year before, he shot 40% from three. And in those years, a lot of people would give him jump shots. And like the Heat dominated the East and made the finals, and they played the Spurs. And... The whole Spurs game plan in this finals, 2013 in this finals, was to make LeBron shoot jump shots. So LeBron, they would pack the paint, not allow him to get in the paint, and they were like, LeBron, you're shooting jump shots. And he struggled. He struggled a bit. And it got to a point in game six where they were down 3-2, and it was really difficult. And the last nine minutes of that game, LeBron took over. was unbelievable. Flat out unbelievable. Just did what he was doing, scoring all the points for the Heat, just willing them to it. And then late in the game, LeBron shoots a tough three, long three, couldn't get it. Chris Bosh grabs the rebound, kick out to Ray Allen. Ray Allen corner three, knocked out. Unbelievable. Unbelievable play. Still one of the greatest finals plays I've ever seen and in my lifetime. Probably the play that gets most relived there will be another play that we'll get to in a little bit that'll be most relived too but unbelievable play and then the heat are able to get it together win in overtime and then they win game seven both those games at home they were doing the two three two format where it's two home games three road games and then two home games for the top seed and the Heat wasn't for the top seed that one so he were able to win that. LeBron wins finals MVP. Another unbelievable year. And then 2014, I didn't follow this year as much. To be honest, kind of a boring year to me. I thought the Spurs were a boring team. So, you know, I didn't follow as closely. But this Spurs team was unbelievable. Like, they moved. There was no best player. These guys, their ball movement was crazy. And they just torched the league. Miami and Miami got back to the finals and LeBron was unreal this year, but you could tell the team around him was just deteriorating. D Wade got worse. Chris Bosh got worse. There wasn't as much defense. It was just a, just a tough team. And you could tell it was just LeBron. It was just LeBron. And he did what he could. His scoring average had to go up in these playoffs. It was up to 27.4 points, seven rebounds and 4.8 assists. But he just didn't have enough pieces around him. And again, he shot 56.5% from the field in these playoffs, which is the best in his career. He he tied that later in his career in 2017. But LeBron was just really good in these playoffs. It was really just him. I don't blame LeBron as much for losing this finals because the Spurs were just flat out better than them. Flat out better than them. Just unbelievably coached. Probably one of the best Spurs teams we've seen because they just went and dominated the league that year. All right. So then LeBron goes into summer. It's the first time LeBron's a free agent. And I'm like, I'm excited. You know, I'm really excited. I'm like, what's he going to do? What's going to happen? Blah, blah, blah. And he says, I'm coming home. And I'm like, oh, this is really cool. This is really cool. LeBron's home. And... LeBron wants to bring a bring a ring back to Cleveland. And I'm like, yes, this is going to be awesome. So LeBron teams up with Kyrie Irving. And they and they have the number one pick at this time, too. It was Andrew Wiggins they picked. They traded Wiggins to the Timberwolves for Kevin Love. And Kevin Love at this time, very good power forward. And this year, he had a really good year. People undervalue him. But he actually had a solid year in 2015. 15 he dealt with some injuries which made it tougher but again another unbelievable year from LeBron he gets Cleveland into the finals like incredible year 
In playoffs, he averaged 30 points per game, 11.3 rebounds, and 8.5 assists. Just unbelievable. Like, you can tell LeBron is easily the best player in the NBA at this point. And they show up and they're playing the Warriors. And you're like, okay, this Warriors team, are they for real? No, no team has ever won jump shooting, right? And Steph's moving all over the place. Klay Thompson's moving all, the play, all over the place, shooting jumpers. Draymond Green's talking crap, playing great defense, doing all the little things, trying to be Dennis Rodman 2.0, but I respect Draymond. I don't love him. And in this series, I'm like, I finally shift. I'm like, maybe LeBron's the good guy here because I didn't love Golden State at the time. I love Steph now and I love Clay now because I've seen, I've been watching basketball for so long and I just respect the way they play now. But at that time, I was like, I think it'd be kind of cool for LeBron to come home, get the ring. And now he's starting to become my guy because he's the best player I've seen. And people are talking about, oh, LeBron MJ, LeBron MJ, like he could pass MJ. And I'm like, oh, that'd be cool. Then I would see the greatest player of all time. So this series, all excited, all excited, great game, goes into overtime, and Kyrie Irving gets hurt. And you're like, oh, shoot. And Kevin Love's already dealing with some injuries. And it's basically just LeBron, a ton of role players against a really good Warriors team. And that's what happened. LeBron had an incredible finals. And Golden State was able to win it, win the finals in six games. And they gave Andre Iguodala the finals MVP. Don't get me started on that. But there's, there's 2015. Now let's get to 2016. Probably the peak of LeBron's career right here. Like, this is the peak moment. Maybe not the peak of his abilities, but the peak moment. LeBron, another unbelievable year. Um, he averaged 25.3 points again, 7.4 rebounds, and 6.8 assists. Another good year. And the Cavs were able to stay healthy and get back to the finals. And the Warriors broke literally every record in the books this year. They were 73-9, and nine and just they broke that record. And well, unbelievable. Steph Curry had probably the most efficient MVP season you'll ever see. He was incredible this year. And everybody's like, oh, the, the Warriors are going to smoke them, blah, blah, blah. The Warriors actually almost lost to the Kevin Durant-led Thunder in the conference finals. The Thunder lost a 3-1 lead to the Warriors. Klay Thompson and Steph Curry went crazy. And the Warriors were able to get back to the finals. But this series was just incredible. Like, to start, it wasn't incredible, though. The Warriors just dominated them to start. Warriors won game one. The Cavs went back and won game two. Or, no, the Warriors won both games at home. And the Cavs were able to win game three. And the Warriors snuck out of game four with a 3-1 lead. And Draymond and LeBron get into a little altercation which leads to Draymond getting a technical foul, having too many technical fouls, and getting suspended for Game 5. So that's a big loss for Golden State. But, like, going into it, you're like, meh, it doesn't really matter. Like, the Warriors have all the momentum. They're up 3-1. No team has ever come back from a 3-1 deficit. And you're like, man, the Warriors just, they're about to win two straight, and they're about to look unbelievable. LeBron and... Steph gonna have the same amount of rings like is Steph better than LeBron like you know how do you how do you describe that it's just tough and lo and behold LeBron and Kyrie step up like crazy LeBron goes for 15 game five Kyrie goes for 15 game five they win the game and it was unbelievable unbelievable then game six, LeBron goes for 50 again in Cleveland. And they give the Warriors the business with Draymond back in the game and win again. Now going to game seven, and LeBron is just terrific. 27 points and a triple-double. Unbelievable. And Kyrie Irving hits one of the greatest, most iconic sh shots in NBA history. Absolutely unbelievable. So... That happens, and it's really incredible. Unbelievable. And they win it all, 
And LeBron calls it the most iconic moment of his career, which flat out unbelievably was. He brought a championship back to Cleveland. And in an interview later, he says that he's the greatest player of all time. And I start making the argument for it because I want him to be, you know. But to be honest with you, looking back at it now, I think he needed more validation and needed more stuff to happen. So let's fast forward. 2017, they lose in the finals to the Warriors. Kevin Durant comes to the Warriors in free agency and makes them just an unbeatable team. Let's fast forward to 2018 because I want to talk about this finals. LeBron makes it back to the finals. This is now, let's see, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. That's, count, looking at my hands, that's eight straight finals. And I've been following the league now for seven years, and LeBron's been in all those finals. That's crazy right there. And this was in 2018. That's unbelievable right there. So, in this this finals, LeBron has absolutely no team. This is the most impressive Cleveland run ever. And this is where I put LeBron as the GOAT, right here is this run because he had no team they had to trade they had to trade everybody they had to they got Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie Irving Kyrie Irving wanted out they got Isaiah Thomas and stuff and you could tell it wasn't working it just wasn't so they had to trade everybody and give LeBron shooters and some defenders and that's it that's it and right here like you're like how is this Cavs team going to win? LeBron has no co-star and, you know, like how is this how is this going to happen? And the Cavs are able to sneak past Victor Oladipo and the Pacers in the first round. Then in the second round, they're playing the one-seeded Toronto Raptors and they sweep them. LeBron has an incredible season, series, not season, series, and dominates them. It just goes crazy. And then in the conference finals, LeBron is unbelievable again and beats the Celtics in seven, a young Jason Tatum. And it's just absolutely incredible. And then in the finals, he's, he sees the Warriors. And in game one, this is Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, peak Warriors. And in game one, LeBron has 51 8 and 8 and is absolutely unbelievable. And. They're in a tie. They're down one, and George Hill gets fouled late in the game. He shoots a first free throw, makes the free throw, and he, if he makes the next free throw, they win the game. There's one second left. George Hill got to the line, got fouled. If he makes a free throw, they win the game. First, he misses the free throw. It's tapped out. J.R. Smith gets the offensive rebound. He starts dribbling up, and instead of calling timeout, just freezes. LeBron's telling him to call timeout, and nothing happens. And LeBron's just so frustrated at this point. So frustrated. Goes into overtime. They lose the game. And LeBron, out of frustration, punches the clipboard. Or the whiteboard. Whatever whatever that thing is. He punches that and breaks his hand. And he's not the same for the rest of the series. Which makes sense. Like, how can you be the same person after breaking your hand? It's just not how it's going to work. And they got swept by the Warriors. That Warriors team was just unbelievable. Like... You put Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green on the same team, just ridiculous. That's easily the best team I've ever seen in my life. They were unbelievable. And, you know, that's really the LeBron James catch-up that made him the greatest player of all time, in my opinion. And he's still playing right now, and I'm really thankful for that. But it's just not the same. It's not the same anymore. Like, Growing up, you saw LeBron in the finals every single year. Just like I said, I said he made the finals seven straight years, and I just expected him to be in the finals every single time. So, you know, he made the finals once again in 2020, in that bubble year. That was a weird year for all of us. I mean, it just wasn't the same. He won that championship, but it just wasn't the same because it wasn't with fans. And, you know, like he was unbelievable. That team was unbelievable. And I think that solidified him for some respect. But him, let's get back to what happened last night. Him breaking this scoring record, I think it just solidifies him as the GOAT. I think it does. Because for all he's gone through, four-time NBA championship, 
champion, four-time uh, finals MVP, four-time MVP, 19-time All-Star, 18 NBA selections. He's just ridiculous. And if you look at every playoff record, he pretty much has every single one, most games played, most points scored, all that. He's he's just incredible. So I, I just don't know. I get the MJ LeBron discussions. I get it. All right. If I have to say the best career, it's probably Michael Jordan. But if we look at a player intangible wise, what he can do, the smartness, the passing, the rebounding, and the fact that he's a LeBron's a passer and he's the leading scorer of all time, I think that has something to say about it. And you could say, Oh, what if Jordan what if Jordan played like what if Jordan didn't retire and go play baseball? Well, you could say that with anybody, you know? What if LeBron played baseball? Like, we don't know. We don't know. With what ifs, you can't really do it. You got you to gotta just realize what you have in front of you. And you could say, oh, if Jordan, if Jordan didn't play baseball, he would have made eight straight finals too. But he didn't. Guess who did? LeBron. Right? And arguably a much tougher era. And we could argue it all day, all day and night, but LeBron actually made the eight straight finals and he made another one later and won it all again. So I get a lot of people don't like him. I get, I get like, I get all of it. I really do. But in my lifetime, this is easily the greatest player I've ever seen. And intangible wise, he's the greatest player of all time, flat out. Just what he could do with do with, what he can do with the basketball is incredible. It's incredible. He's the smartest player of all time, and he's he's the leading scorer of all time. And scoring's not even his game. I keep going back to that. It's absolutely incredible. So LeBron James, to me, getting this, getting the most points of all time, breaking this record last night, is a solidification to people. That he is the greatest player of all time. And I love Michael Jordan. I think The Last Dance did a great job to remind everybody. And including me because I never got to see him. It reminded people of the greatness of Michael Jordan. But to me, the GOAT is the greatest basketball player of all time. Not the greatest career of all time or the most perfect career of all time. And the greatest basketball player of all time is LeBron James. We're going to shift over to Kyrie Irving now. And Kyrie has been all over the news from last weekend. Last Friday, he demanded a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. And we weren't really sure what was going to happen. There were a lot of teams interested. We know he had mutual interest with the Lakers. And there were some other teams calling. Speaking of the Lakers, I was looking at my phone right now. It's 4.03 on Wednesday, just so we're all clear. But apparently, Shams just tweeted that the Lakers, Jazz, and T-Wolves are talking a trade involving Russell Westbrook, D'Angelo Russell, and Russell Westbrook. A little three-way deal. Um, the Jazz also looking maybe to put Malik Beasley in it. But it would probably have something where D'Angelo Russell heads to the Lakers and Malik Beasley and Mike Conley go over to the T-Wolves, which to me is just the Lakers Lakers kind of giving up and just trying to figure out something. But we're going to discuss the Lakers a little more as we discuss Kyrie Irving. That's an interesting deal. Maybe, maybe if it happens, we'll talk about it on our trade deadline podcast but let's get back to Kyrie Irving because that might have something to do with the Lakers and that deal that I just saw and thought I should say on the podcast but getting back to Kyrie so he demanded a trade on Friday and the interested teams were the Clippers the Mavs the Lakers and there were some interest from the Miami Heat as well and there were different trade offers that were packaged. 
apparently the Suns came in as a very aggressive, aggressive bidder. And that, that bidder, bidder, sorry, couldn't say that right. But the Suns were very aggressive and they offered Chris Paul and Jay Crowder. And I think it was one pick that was reported. They offered that for Kyrie. And if you're the Nets, I really think that's an interesting trade because Chris Paul and Kevin Durant, like, wouldn't be too bad. Again, it wouldn't be too great. But, like, also adding another wing in Jay Crowder. I really like Jay Crowder. There's a lot of misconception about him right now. Currently, he's holding out with the Phoenix Suns, which is very weird. I don't I don't love that right now. But I love Jay Crowder's game, kind of that 3 and D game. I think those wings are very valuable in the NBA. So I thought that would be interesting. And then apparently the Clippers were offering some trades. There was a little hesitancy because I think the Nets really wanted Norman Powell out of them. And if you're the Clippers, like Norman Powell's really good. He's one of your best scorers and one of your best offensive players that can also defend. And when you're the Clippers and you're 26th ranked in offense, you need as much offense as you can get. So the Clippers kind of backed off when Powell was offered. And then getting back to the Lakers, apparently the Lakers discussed giving both of their unprotected picks that they still currently own, which are in 2027 and 2029. They discussed both of them. We're not sure if they discussed them unprotected or not, which is very key. Because if they discussed them unprotected, from the Nets perspective, that makes this trade very interesting. So the trade would be Russell Westbrook and these two unprotected picks for Kyrie. And if you're the Lakers, this is very good because I think this makes the Lakers very dangerous because it allows for another offensive guy to help LeBron and it allows to get rid of Russell Westbrook and just go all in on this team. If you're the Nets, yes, it makes sense. But in this case, you would also be trading Kevin Durant. And the reports right now are that the Nets will not trade Kevin Durant under really any circumstances. Teams have been calling about him, wondering his availability, and right now the Nets are not willing to trade him. That could change in the coming days. It could change when you're listening to this podcast. You may know something. But currently right now, we have no idea. And right now the Nets will not be trading Kevin Durant. And we'll see. We'll see what happens. KD could want out right now. We don't know. But that's that's where it stands right now. And another thing that went into the Nets and the Lakers discussing this trade was apparently Joe Sy, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, didn't want to deal with LA. Kind of just, what's the word? You know, like a pet peeve to trade with LA because LA has always been in the mix for Kyrie. They were trying to get Kyrie in the summer. And I think he just didn't really want to put Kyrie where he wanted to be. And he wanted some real assets back. If you get Russell Westbrook and two picks back, then you're rebuilding flat out. You're rebuilding because how is KD going to feel if Russell Westbrook comes back a teammate who he he decided to leave, and they didn't really clash well for a while. How would KD feel about them re- reuniting? It just wouldn't be good. So if you want to keep your star player, which is now Kevin Durant, very happy, then you need to you need to um, make sure you don't trade for one of the guys he left, which, if you listen to the LeBron part, was that team in OKC, which was Kevin Durant, and Russell Westbrook. And they had James Harden for a while. That fell through. But, all right, let's get to the trade that did happen. So Kyrie Irving on Sunday got traded. And he got traded to the Dallas Mavericks. And I actually recorded a little piece on Friday that I was hoping to put up, but I didn't. And I was, like, nervous for the Mavericks to go and get Kyrie. I just didn't love it. Flat out, I didn't love it. I was nervous for it. I didn't think it would work very well if Kyrie got traded here, but it happened. The trade details were Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris to the Mavs 
for for the Nets. The Nets got Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2029 first round pick, a 2027 second round pick, and a 2029 second round pick as well. So you look at this trade and you're like, okay, it's a decent trade, but we've seen the price of other stars go about and you're like, why is Kyrie going for that little? Because Rudy Gobert last summer just got traded for a mountain of first round picks and like so much value. But Kyrie is not reliable. He's just not. He hasn't shown any reliability in the past year or so. Last year, he held out because he wouldn't get vaccinated. He just held out. He didn't play very much. And then there was a thing where in Brooklyn, you had to play at home. Or you, if you were on the Nets in Brooklyn, if you were playing in Brooklyn, you had to be vaccinated. So Kyrie couldn't play home games. And on the road, he could play because people were lifting that and didn't want to. And then as a mayor, apparently... Apparently in New York, some of the Yankees weren't vaccinated, so they lifted that. And because it, the, the town's ran by the Yankees, just flat out. It's, the, it's New York. They're Yankees town. They lifted that because the Yankees players, some of them weren't vaccinated. So they lifted that, and Kyrie was able to play home games, and the Nets let him play near the end of the year. Didn't end up well. They got swept by the Celtics. Wasn't a great year. And now this year, the Nets are do, were doing really well. They were the four seed in the East, and I was like, man, this is good. This is good. Kyrie, at the beginning of the year, you weren't sure what was going on. He was being a little inconsistent. He had a stretch where he was okay, and he was playing good basketball, and then he tweeted something that was anti-Semitic. And that's when things really went haywire. And he got he received a lot of backlash, deservingly so. And he got an in-team suspension. And this was a long suspension. It was like three or four weeks. They gave him a list that he had to complete objectives for, all these apologies and things of that nature. And Kyrie did it all. And he was welcomed back when he did. He apologized. I'm not sure where Kyrie stands on, the opi- on that opinion. And I really don't care, to be honest. I mean, it's horrible what he did, but I don't really want to discuss it. So, getting back to the Kyrie the Kyrie thing. He came back and he became the epitome of exceptional. Like this guy came back, averaged 27 points, 5 assists, was a great point guard, an unbelievable offensive guard, and Nets were winning. They were winning. They were the 4th seed in the East. Let's see where they currently stand. They currently stand as the fifth seed in the East. They're 32 and 22. And they have a good record. And Kyrie's playing well. And things seem to be going good. So now Kyrie's on one year left in his contract. And he's trying to renegotiate. He's like, okay, I've shown you that I can be consistent. Give me a four-year max contract. And the Nets are like, no. And to be honest, if I'm the Nets, I do the same thing. You don't deserve a four-year, $150 million contract just because you've been consistent for two months. Your background, or the the things that you've done in your past, they just, like, you're so inconsistent, you know? I can't trust a guy that's this inconsistent, who doesn't know what he's doing, and you just can't trust it. So the Nets struggled to do that, and they're trying to put things in his contract to help, like, help them out because you can't give up what is it like it would be a hundred seventy million something like that contract for four years just give away that money to a guy that you don't know if you're gonna be willing to trust. So you know that that right there it puts your value a little down. And that's why the price level for Kyrie was a little lower than the normal. But if you look at this like this is This is a good trade, I think, for both sides. And some might say if you're the Nets, oh, well, you could have gotten more. You couldn't have gotten more. You just couldn't have. Kyrie at this point, he's such a liability. And you're not going to get like a a king's ransom for him. You're just not. 
All right, let's look at this from the Mavs perspective, okay? They're currently sitting as the sixth seed in the West at 29 and 26. They're nine games out of first place. And you have Luka Doncic, okay? Luka's having an unbelievable year, averaging 30 points per game. They're at the top of the MVP race. And he's been incredible. He's been incredible. But the Mavs have always wanted to get that co-star next, next to Luka. And this was their chance, and they did it. They just went all in for it. And normally, I'd be applauding them. I'd be like, okay, this is very good. You did the right thing. But the thing is, is this is Kyrie Irving. And from the stuff I just talked about, he's not reliable. We don't, like, we, we've seen him be consistent. But that consistency went out the window when the contract extension talks went bad and he just requested a trade from it. It's like, you know, if you're the Nets, you're happy to get rid of them. If you're the Mavs, I'm just not sure if this was worth it. Yes, it can upgrade you. Like, you're going to be a much better offense for this now. I'm very interested to see what Jason Kidd's going to do because I think Kidd is going to be able to make some great coaching adjustments and change how they do offense. What they normally did was kind of a heliocentric offense around Luka. So Luka would dribble, like all the whole offense was ran around Luka. Luka would either make the assist. Luka would either score. He would do everything to create the offense. The ball was in his hands a crazy amount of the time. The usage percentage that he has is unbelievable. Flat out unbelievable. But now with Kyrie, there's going to be a lot of changes to that offense, and I think it's going to make the offense very difficult to guard. But I'm going to go back to what you gave up. You gave up Spencer Didwitty, who's solid point guard, but you're getting a better one in Kyrie Irving, so it makes sense. But Dorian Finney-Smith, this is a very good 3 and D guy. He's had an unbelievable year this year, and he's been an excellent forward for them. I really think he has. Um, I mean, nothing special, but he's a guy that's glue guy. And these are the pieces that are very important in the NBA. These are wings that can defend different kinds of positions. They can shoot the three, and they're just not a liability. And they're tough to find in the NBA. They really are. And now if you're the Mavericks, you're one short of these. So this is a very this is a very big loss if you're the Mavs, I think. Because it's going to be very difficult to find more shooting to help. And it's going to be very difficult to find guys to guard the best players in the playoffs. So let's look at the West, right? Now, who are you going to put on Kawhi Leonard? This is a team that you've played the past two years. The Clippers beat them in seven in the bubble, or I think it was six in the bubble, and then beat them in seven, or it was seven in the bubble, and then they beat them in seven, and then the Mavs beat them last year in seven. So it's, or not last year, the Clippers beat them in seven, two years ago. But these, like Kawhi Leonard, and then Devin Booker is another guy. Like, who are you going to put on Devin Booker? Kyrie or Luka? No. Like, guys like Josh Green and young young talent is really going to have to step up for you. Because Josh Green is the only one that I can think of that could step up and take that role and do something with it. And I like Josh Green. Josh Green from Arizona, he's a very good, he's a, he's a guy that could become a better version of Dorian Finney-Smith. I like him. But I don't know if he's ready. And I don't know if your depth is ready. Because Maxi Kleba, he's been dealing with some injuries. Um, Berton, Davis Bertons, he's a very good shooter, but this guy, this guy's not a perimeter defender. He's not a guy that can switch. He's not a guy that can like connect. I'm just not sure if the Mavs defense will be able to handle this because Kyrie, he's, he's a fantastic offensive player. I love him on the offensive side of the ball, but I'm not sure if he's good enough defensively. Like we've seen in the past, he's just not the best defensive player in the world. I really think if the Mavs are going to take a step up and become a team that's making the Western Conference Finals that could make the finals, 
Luka is going to have to turn into a guy that can defend. Now your usage is off a little bit. Your usage is going to go down because you have Kyrie, somebody that can help you on the offensive side of the ball. So as your usage on the offensive side of the ball goes down, if you're going to be a great player, I need to see your defense improve a little bit. If Luka can improve his defense, I think the Mavs are for real in the Western Conference. All right, let's look at the net side of this real quick. So Kyrie's gone and you're trying to convince Kevin Durant of this roster, okay? You got Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, TJ Warren, Nicholas Claxton, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, and Kevin Durant. Now, some of those names aren't the best-sounding names. I'll give you that. But to be honest, I think if you get Kevin Durant to buy in, and you're like, this... This could be a team. I really think this could be a team. Because Kevin Durant, to me, is easily one of the 15 greatest players of all time. 100%. And he's been playing at that level recently. He was incredible before he got injured. Right now he's dealing with a MCL sprain, I believe. But when he comes back, I know he's going to come back and he's going to come back really well. When he comes back, people are like, I'm not sure if he's going to have enough help. Like, we don't know. We don't know what to expect. I think with this team, this team could be really good. I really do. Let's let's look at the pieces they have. Nicholas Claxton, very good center out of Georgia. And he's had a year where he could be in defensive player of the year conversations. He's just an unbelievable rim protector and he's switchable. He can go out and guard your guards. Like this guy is a really good defender. I like him a lot. Seth Curry, excellent shooter. Shooters are very important and very valuable. I just talked about it in the LeBron section that LeBron, what did he have? He had defenders and shooters. That's all you need, right? Spencer Dinwiddie, Excellent scorer, can spread the floor a little bit, can create his own shot. He's had success in places where stars have been. He can play off the star. He's a very good point guard. I think he'll be a nice fit. Dorian Finney-Smith, just talked about him a little bit. Excellent wing that can shoot a little bit, and he can guard different positions. Very good. Joe Harris, small forward out of Virginia. Very good shooter. Excellent shooter. There's another one. Patty Mills, another shooter. Excellent. Royce O'Neal, one of those guys that can guard and shoot. He was really good for the Jazz for a long time, and they went out and got him to help. And guess what? He's had a really good defensive defensive year. And Ben Simmons, at his peak, defensive player of the year prowess and an excellent playmaker. Yes, Ben Simmons has his ups and downs. He's dealing with some confidence issues, but I think he will get over it. And then Cam Thomas has been playing at a ridiculous level. Dude has, I don't know if I'm going to get, I think it's 134 points in his last three games. He scored 40 points in the last three games. This guy can score. So if you need some help scoring, there's Cam Thomas. And I haven't even mentioned yet, TJ Warren and Yuta Wananabe. Wananabe is leading the NBA in three-point percentage. And TJ Warren is a really good offensive and defensive wing. So, All of these guys with Kevin Durant, I think you got yourself a really talented team. I don't know if it's talented enough to get out of the Eastern Conference because the Eastern Conference is really good this year, but I would not want to see this team. I really wouldn't. Like people, what I've been hearing is that people people are like over it and they're like, oh, Kevin Durant should request a trade. He doesn't have a team anymore. But if I'm Kevin Durant, I'm looking at this team like, we could go somewhere. This is, to me, this is much better than what LeBron had in 2018. And Le- and yes, weak Eastern Conference then. And LeBron was able to get them past. And the Eastern Conference is much better this year. But you're Kevin Durant. And now I have guys that can go defend, can help me on defense, shooters all around that I can, that I can pass to and they will hit shots. I really like this Nets team now. 
I really do. And I I liked it with Kyrie, but this Nets team is dangerous. It really is. I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm in on them enough to pick them out of the East, but I think they could be really really dangerous and I would not want to see the Nets. If I'm Kevin Durant, I'm like, okay, if you want, you can try to put together a package to get me someone a little better, but even if you don't, I'm in on this year. I'm in, and I will try to take take this team to the finals. And if you want a legacy-defining championship, a legacy-defining year, this is the team to do it with. Because you got the guys. If you play like one of the best top five players in the NBA, you could see Kevin Durant walking away with a finals with a legacy defining championship and win it all and i don't think that's a hot take i just think that's the truth all right that's gonna wrap it up for jake's takes today a little bit of a longer nba podcast i haven't talked about the nba in a while we had some lebron james and some kevin durant kind of a loaded podcast today but that's episode six of jake's takes we got a loaded week prepared for you guys Tomorrow, Thursday, I'm going to do my Super Bowl preview, and I'm going to have a special guest for that one. So wait and see who that special guest is. It's going to be very exciting stuff. And then I'm hoping Friday to do a little trade deadline special. We'll see We'll see where that comes from. Friday, we'll, we'll hit you with some trade deadline stuff. We'll see what else we'll give you. It might be a little bit of a surprise there as well. So it should be a packed week. And I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Trade deadline is going to be crazy tomorrow. Going to be a big day there. And then Sunday, we got the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes versus Jalen Hurts. It's it's just going to be a fun week. It's going to be a fun week. I'm really looking forward to it. I hope you guys are all doing well. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Again, please follow the channel on Spotify. Subscribe to the YouTube. We are now fully on YouTube. I have the first five episodes on YouTube and you know, I'm excited. I'm excited. This has been, this has been going great. I really appreciate all the people that have reached out congratulating me and just you guys have really made this a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And I can't thank you guys enough. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being subscribed and following. And I hope you guys are doing well. And that's going to conclude episode six of Jake's Takes. Have a great day.